Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Friday, December 15th, 2023. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer joins us now. Tony, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming back. Uh, thank you, Judge. As we here. speak, thank you. As we speak, uh, President Biden is twisting arms uh, to get another $68 billion into the hands of President Zelensky in Ukraine. And supposedly, Jake Sullivan, his national security advisor, is twisting arms to get the um, government of Prime Minister Netanyahu to dial back its um, destruction uh, of Gaza. Yeah. Question, is there any way the United States can say no to Ukraine and no to Israel? Well, I think um, the answer no is the predominant uh Feeling right now in Washington, it's just there's. I don't think I don't think the Republicans are going to approve anything before the new year, and I think it's the right answer. Uh, the Israelis don't need it. The, the Israelis are doing quite well on their own, and I think um, given the choice of of uh, constraints on aid, which the Biden White House, by the way, this is one of their problems. They they one day they're saying, oh, we're going to give unconstrained aid to to the Israelis, and next thing you know, they're saying, no, no, we're going to constrain it. They're going to put all sorts of re restrictions on it. Next thing you know, is that they went back and forth like five times. And so no one, no one considers the Biden White House credible. Jake Sullivan is seen as the guy who sits at the kids' table during Thanksgiving, and nobody takes him seriously. Mm. He, he's not the guy to be trying to promote uh, Biden's strength because he's as weak as Biden. So I think that's a non-starter. Regarding the overall direction of this judge, Let's look at the European Union. European Union's not digging, giving 50 billion. I think uh, Orban vetoed that or worked against that. So, you know, if the, we should follow the Europeans' lead on this. It's like just take a step back. And there's two things that that Speaker Johnson said this last this week as we're talking. First one after he met with Zelensky, he said, "Yeah, I'm not impressed. Uh, we still don't have a strategy." And, and this is my issue always. If you're going to give people money, you've got to kind of know what they're going to use it for. And the idea of just giving them cash and hoping for the best is not a strategy. So I think Johnson's correctly said that. The other thing he said, we have our own security issues, which have to be dealt with, which needs to be the priority. And uh, many of the folks I've been friends, mentor, uh, mentored by and otherwise advised by 
you know, our interests as the American Republic is to protect America and, and our interests, not uh, engage in uh, what George Washington called foreign entanglements. And my goodness sake, you know, uh, I don't think we we need to be involved in either one of the uh, current wars to the level we are, uh, either Biden trying to browbeat and otherwise influence Netanyahu or uh, going uh, tripling down on the insanity of abusing the Ukrainian people is a bulwark against uh, Putin trying to get Putin out of office. It's just not in our interest. So. Okay. Uh, Chris, uh, do we have the uh, cut of uh, Max Blumenthal on what Joe Biden could do with a phone call? No, we don't. Okay. Uh, Tony, um, Joe Biden could stop the uh, slaughter in um, in Gaza with a phone call, couldn't he? All he has to do is say to uh, uh, BB, stop it, or we're not going to send you bombs. We're not going to send you spare parts. I, I don't think so. No, I, I think that um, Netanyahu would go it alone if he has to. I think he's got sufficient uh, Arab assurances that they're going to they're going to say things publicly, but they're going to allow them to continue to do what's necessary. Remember, Judge uh, Jordan, Egypt, and the Saudis all said they were not digging the idea of moving Palestinians anywhere, because every time they have done that in the past, Palestinians end up essentially serving as a, a virus within their own political system. So that's, okay. I think that that's where they're going with that. One, one with, of our, uh, one of judging freedom's experts on Israel is Max Blumenthal, the uh, journalist and American right. Jewish, uh, fiercely against the uh, Netanyahu uh, administration's use uh, of force in the manner in which uh, it has and lived in Israel for many years. When I asked him uh, if Joe Biden uh, or Tony Blinken could put a stop to the slaughter in Gaza, here's what his answer was. Well, the, the Biden administration could end the occupation of Palestine tomorrow. They could right. have a Palestinian state while we're doing this live stream. All they have to do is say no more spare parts for your F-16s, no more F-35s, and it's over. Because Israel depends, in, its occupation depends entirely on its direct line to Washington. And Biden won't do that. And Tony Blinken won't do that because Tony Blinken comes from a long line of Israel lobbyists. Do you no, agree? I, I love Max and I love the gray zone, but I disagree with him. I, I, don't, I don't believe for a minute at this point that the Israelis would stop. There's just no way. They've invested far too much blood and treasure in, in, in doing what they set out to do. And, and let me say something here that I don't think it's enough media. The way they're doing it is actually uh, endangering the lives of the IDF in ways that that um, uh, far exceed uh, what we would be willing to do. They've taken upwards of between four to five hundred casualties. That is IDF killed in the process of going through. And there's been videos of this. They're engaging in in belly button to belly button firefights in urban areas. They don't have to do that. They they have other options which are far more lethal and less. Uh, uh, risky that they could be doing. They could be leading with artillery. They're not. They could be leading with rockets. They're not. They're trying their best, I believe, Judge, based on what I've seen, to do a surgical removal of Hamas and try to minimize civilian loss of life. That's why they're putting those guys. There's a a, a video, which I believe to be credible, uh, of, a, of a, a, a firefight between an IDF uh, soldier and Hamas. And he takes a grenade in the face, for God's sake. And that's what they're doing. And that's what they're trying to do. So as much as anything right now, this is going to be done the old fashioned way, room to room, street to street, 
and trying their best to to go through and 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 pull people out who are needing to be rescued and otherwise trying to to be very precise with the use of force. So I again I like Max. I like I, I like his stuff, but I don't agree with him in this case. Isn't Israel purposely massacring huge numbers of civilians, rep- roughly 70% of whom are women and children? I haven't seen that. I'd like to see the videos of that. I, I don't. I have not seen that. Okay. That's from uh, Professor John Mearsheimer. Isn't Israel purposely starving desperate, uh, desperate Palestinian population by greatly limiting the amount of food, fuel, and water they can uh, have access to? No doubt that there's constraints regarding resources going in. No doubt, and I, and I again, I'm speaking as a military guy, not as a a uh, a person who examines the human rights issues. The military thing to do at this point is to figure out what I would call umbilicals, basically the those things which are necessary to sustain life within a, an urban environment. And they are the, the Israelis are doing their best to control those. Absolutely, they're trying to move the civilian population out of the areas they're trying to engage Hamas in. And Hamas has been surrendering on a regular basis. They just uh, overtook another hospital where I think 70 Hamas fighters surrendered in Moss. So at this point, I I just don't see the quote-unquote genocide that others are talking about. I'm happy. To, I, I have an open mind. I'm uh, often uh, trying to examine all aspects of any issue. But at this point, from what I'm seeing, the Israeli, the IDF, are trying their very best to use military force with precision and avoid the, the very thing you're talking about. Is, is, uh, the, I think they understand the bad effects of negative press, especially if they're seen as a, a force that's trying to kill people, uh, civilians, without regard to military objectives. So they've killed 19,000 civilians. I How can you that. possibly say that, that that that's a number that's generally agreed on? How could you possibly say that that is surgical? They have driven people into the south and then attacked the areas to which they've driven them. They've I, destroyed hospitals and and uh, uh, fuel uh, places. They have. They have. And I I'm sorry. It's war, and war is hell, as Patton once said. I, I'm I'm not for the 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 loss of life, the Judge. You know, I wrote. Uh, several chapters in my book, Operation Darkheart, about our own airstrike against a madrasa, which ended up not getting any of the bad guys and killing women and children. I'm not for that. Uh, and I do believe that that things which are done, which generate a great number of civilian lives lost, is something that needs to be uh, avoided at all costs. With that said, I don't believe it's within the context of the policies of the Netanyahu government to back down at this point. And again, I don't think any amount of international pressure either brought by Biden through international venues such as the UN or via Jake Sullivan coming over and and saying that we're, you know, you need to stop what you're doing is going to have any effect at this point. So we have given them uh, 157,000 rounds of artillery and small uh, weapon uh, rounds. Uh, We've given them 15,000 tons of bombs what would happen if we stopped giving them any the Israelis? What would happen if we stopped giving them anything? Do they have enough military have enough. hardware and ammunition to fight this on their own? Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, 
where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. They have a very uh, advanced homegrown defense industry. Uh, one of my criticisms of the Israelis, they, they will steal our technology, develop it, and sell it to other folks, which we wouldn't necessarily approve of. That's my one of my biggest criticisms of the Israelis, and I, I've never backed off that. Um, with that said, they have sufficient uh, uh, small arms manufacturing, uh, uh, bullet uh, artillery. I think they could, they, they'd have to reduce the scope and pace of use to effectively use it. But no, I think at this point, they could, they could uh, continue to do what they have to do. And the time frame, I believe, I don't know this, I'm not in there. Uh, in any discussions with any Israelis, I, I generally, as a rule, judge, try to stay completely away from those engaged directly in combat in these situations, such as the Israelis and, and the Ukrainians. I have no direct contact, but what I'm seeing is with the current pace of, of use of, of the resources they have available and the current pace of combat operations, I think they're going to be able to wrap up and uh, control all of Gaza by the end of January. Isn't the uh, intentional systematic destruction of civilian uh, infrastructure and the targeting of civilians a war crime? You you, you the, know it. You've written that it is. I I have, and and that, but that, but then again, who judges it, Judge? I mean, well, it's never going to be in a in a courtroom. But there is a common morality, a common standard, which says the intentional targeting of civilians and destruction of their homes and infrastructure is a war crime, period. Whether it's done by Joe Biden or Benjamin uh, Netanyahu or Pope Francis, whoever does it, it's a war crime. Uh, look, th there's been calls for all sorts of people to be brought to justice relating to uh, such issues for the past 100 years. And I know this goes back to World War II and the bombing of Dresden. Uh, the firebombing of, of Tokyo. Uh, look, Judge, I'm not here to defend the policy. I'm just saying that this is something that's not uh, been absent in every conflict I'm aware of since I've been a member of the, the military or serving in some form to advise people. When, um, well, last weekend, the uh, State Department authorized the sale of $107 million uh, worth of um, ammunition. Those are the 157,000 rounds of artillery and small fire that I had mentioned earlier. Right. Um, and it bypassed Congress. And in order to do so, it had to exercise the president's emergency powers. The emergency powers require that either the president or the secretary of state or the secretary of defense certify in writing under oath that the emergency is one that profoundly affects the national security of the United States. Tony Blinken made that certification. What conceivable national security interest of the United States, not domestic politics, but national security interest of the United States was in an emergency situation when he made that declaration last Saturday? Well, I think it, I think he uh, made a false declaration. There, there is nothing at this point within either conflict 
that it's an existential threat to the United States. Neither one, not not remotely. And um, Blinken, and uh, this is not only the Democrats. Both parties do the use of emergency declarations for purposes of trying to achieve specific political outcomes that they, they're seeking. It's uh, aspirational. And so I consider the Blinken signing of that as, as um, a violation of his oath at a minimum. Okay. Probably if, if you investigate, it would be a, a, a violation of the law. Would be. It would be. But again, nobody's going to prosecute him. Maybe, no, uh, maybe a Trump uh, Justice Department would prosecute him, but there's no history uh, of that, except when they no. want to go after, except when they want to go after Trump. Uh, right. Number 18, uh, uh, Chris, here's uh, Admiral Kirby, of whom you and I have been, even though we both know him, been very critical. But here yeah. he is uh, attempting to answer questions about what we're talking about, the Secretary of State and the President bypassing Congress. That with respect to Gaza, whatever governance in Gaza looks like, it can't look like what it did on the, on the 6th of October. With Hamas in charge, it's got to be representative of the aspirations of the Palestinian people. And that means it's going to require some leadership and some change in the Palestinian Authority. When I promise, uh, when you say that the U.S. requires Israel and all other allies to obey requirements of the law of armed conflict uh, when they're using U.S. weapons, how can you ensure that when the administration has bypassed congressional oversight on this, debate on this, and also internal State Department debate on this? I'm not sure I understand the premise of the question. A bunch of weapons on, on Saturday without going through Congress, correct? We have a normal process for providing aid and assistance to foreign countries, uh, Ukraine and to Israel, um, and that's all done within the, the, the normal standard consultative process. Tony, he knows damn well what an emergency uh, trigger is, and he knows right. damn well the preconditions necessary to exercise emergency power. He made it sound like this was an ordinary thing to do. Well, it has become an ordinary thing to do because that's, oh, that's what they do. No, I look, I'm one of those who advised multiple, you know, I can't go into details, but I advised multiple members of the Trump administration to rethink the entire scope and focus of the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, I, I'm trying to think of the specific name for it. But basically, the Pentagon has a number of clients that they serve to support regarding giving all sorts of weapons to. And by giving those weapons, we engage in, in regional conflicts that we have no business being in the middle of. It, it's not in our interest. And yet we fuel these things. And often we fuel both sides of the conflict. I mean, we did it in Afghanistan. We did it in Iraq. We still are doing it in Iraq, right. where we actually will arm essentially uh, pretty much anybody who needs a weapon. And next thing you know, we're surprised because these things are coming back at us. And it's, 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 it's an insane policy that's been developed by both parties, Judge. I'm I'm casting stones at both parties here because both sides do this. And, and this right. we've talked about this, and we should probably do a show on this sometime. The authorized use of military force, everything that, that was required for the AUMF regarding 9-11 was accomplished within the first five years of that authorization. And yet here we are. And what they, is it, 20 years, Judge? 23 they, years? They use it. They, they, the authorization for use of military force of which you speak. Uh, has as a precondition that the targets facilitated, assisted, prepared, helped, no. encouraged 9-11. Yet some of the targets used in the later years were infants on 9-11. Okay, that, that's a serious issue. I want to get to um, sure. Ukraine, and I want to get to your wheelhouse, which is not only the military, not only intelligence, but the politics uh, animating it. Will the House of Representatives 
in your view, controlled by the Republicans as it is by just a handful of votes, uh, vote uh, to give Joe Biden the $68 billion uh, that he wants to give to turn over to President Zelensky? No. No, they won't. Even, even if uh, there's some deal like uh, border security. I don't think the Biden administration is going to be willing to do uh, what the Republicans want relating to border security. The, this is a political equation based on domestic politics, not on national security. The Biden administration is committed to the course of action of allowing the unmitigated and continuous streaming of, of illegal immigrants into the country for purposes of long-term political investment. That is to right. say, the Democrats believe they can create a permanent underclass will, that will continue to vote them in permanently. Right. That's part right. of their that, that is really beyond dispute what you just said. They won't admit it, but it's so obvious. Go ahead, please. It's obvious to me. And yeah. then and and so so the purposes of what the Republicans are trying to do, which I agree, I agree with the objectives. I've advised some of these guys uh, that you need to find a way to secure the border. The border is secure. It's just secured by the Mexican drug cartels who basically take a, a, a percentage of every, everything going across. And I believe at this point, and I'm, you know, I'm mostly libertarian in a lot of these views, but I do believe it's time we start considering what we have to do militarily at the border to stop this. Because at this point, uh, the Mayorkas uh, DHS is not willing or able to do what's necessary to stop this immigration, this, this invasion by my immigration. Okay. Back so, to, back to Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, what will Joe do or what will Zelensky do if he doesn't get the 68 billion from the house? So there's going to be two things they're going to do. Uh, I can already see it in the tea leaves. They're going to try to, to take more muscle and Danny Davis, you know, Danny, Danny is talking about this on his podcast, uh, uh, talking about how the DOD will do this. They will start looking at what won't be missed necessarily right away regarding our own necessary wartime stock. So I think they're going to start trying to to move some, some things over that that we need. Uh, they've already done a little bit of that, but I think it's going to be even more extreme. So I think that's the first thing they're going to do, even if they don't get the money. Secondly, I think they're going to be doing things out of existing pots of money. The government is flushed with money. This is one of my criticisms always of the federal government. The federal government has all sorts of unaccountable slush funds that are available. And I think you're going to see some of those being used. They could safely keep Ukraine in the game uh, for another six months, at least without any additional uh, funding from the, from the Congress. How uh, crazy is it for uh, NATO to even consider um, beginning the process because it's a years long process, as you know, yeah. uh, of Ukraine becoming a member? Two things. First, It'll never happen. It just, it's just not in the cards. Putin has stated flat out as a matter of policy, Russian policy, that uh, they will never permit Ukraine to, to do that. And so at this point, the Russians have won the war. It, the war is won. The question becomes, what does Vladimir Putin want to do to facilitate uh, ending whatever you want? So if, if necessary, there will be no Ukraine to become a member of NATO because I think Putin would go all the way just take the whole thing. I don't think he wants the whole thing. I think he wants Odessa. He said so in his recent speech and he wants a few other things, but I don't think he wants uh, all of Ukraine. I think he would uh, allow for a rump state of Ukraine to exist as a buffer between the West. The, the, the people tend to forget, Judge, the Russians get a vote on how the, the borders are configured. 
and the Russians have a, a healthy paranoia based on previous invasions. We've talked right. about this. Let me go through right, my list right, and keep right. it here. Mongols, Ottoman Empire, Sweden, Fr the French, Japan, 1905, believe it or not, U.S. intervention, 1918, Germany, 1941. These are all invasions of, of Russia. So the Russians have a paranoia which inf influences their, their, their thinking and policy. So Putin has simply said he's not going to permit NATO to move further further east. And, Chris, and I take him at his word. Chris has put together a montage for us of President Biden. So you're here going to hear him say Putin has already lost. Yeah. We're going to help Ukraine for as long as it takes. We're going to help Ukraine for as long as we can. Ooh, Putin might take Ukraine. Here's the president all over the place in the past six months. Putin's war of conquest is failing. Russia's military has lost half its territory it once occupied. It's worth fighting for for as long as it takes. And that's how long we're going to be with you, Mr. President, for as long as it takes. We'll do it. And we're advancing this goal by providing them the support Ukraine needs now on the battlefield and helping them strengthen uh, their military over the long term. The fact of the matter is that I believe we'll have the funding necessary to support Ukraine as long as it takes. The American people can be and should be incredibly proud of the part they played in supporting Ukraine's success. We'll continue to supply Ukraine with critical weapons and equipment as long as we can. If Putin takes Ukraine, he won't stop there. It's important to see the long run here. He's going to keep going. He's made that pretty clear. If Putin attacks a NATO ally, then we'll have something that we don't seek and that we don't have today. American troops fighting Russian troops. American troops fighting Russian troops if he moves into other parts of NATO. There's a lot to uh, unpack here. The scare yeah. tactics at the end, American troops fighting Russian troops. To me, that's inconceivable, but I want your thoughts on it. And the migration of Joe's words. Maybe he's getting accurate intel. Putin has already lost. And now he's saying, oh, Putin might take the whole country. So um, I realize he's a politician. Yeah. Uh, but he is the commander in chief uh, of the military. Well, and not a good one. Just no, no so, not at all. So um, let's break that down a little bit. So first off, there's no indication that Putin is expanding the Russian military that to the size necessary to engage NATO. There's no, basically in his speech, I think he even said, just no, they do not envision any additional call-ups. That is to say, they feel they have the force structure necessary to achieve their political and military goals in Ukraine now. And I think, again, I accept Putin at his word. I think he's been very clear on this. Uh, the idea of him going into Poland, Latvia, Lithuania, uh, uh, um, Estonia, the, the, the Baltic states is insane. Uh, those those states hate the Russians. There's an embedded hate uh, for Russia because of, of what happened during the Cold War. And I think Putin understands that. And and so I don't think he he would, first off, have any chance of taking those nations back or going into Poland. The Poles hate the Russians. And oh, by the way, we do actually have, I think, two infantry division, uh, two art, uh, art, um, armor divisions in Poland as we speak. Right. There's there's no indication, Judge, militarily, that Putin has any desire to go any further than he has. I'm not saying that as I, 
I'm not saying it because I'm pro-Putin. I'm simply stating that as someone who studied this, and I try to understand as best I can what would come next. There's no indication the Russians intend that. Secondly, regarding Ukraine and what his desires are, uh, they have pretty much achieved everything they can. Putin's won. I don't know why, why, why uh, Biden... I think the more Biden says what he does, the more damage he does to both U.S. credibility as well as uh, just uh, further indicating the intention right. is to use the Ukrainian people in a way that's unhealthy and will make uh, the Ukrainian people hate us ultimately. Right. You, you, saw, you saw how disjointed uh, President Biden was. Yes. Uh, two days ago, President Putin, gave, it may have been yesterday, gave his annual four-hour press conference preceded right. by a 20 or 30-minute speech. No notes in the speech, no notes in the presser. But here's an excerpt from the presser. It's two people questioning him, but there are hundreds and hundreds of journalists uh, in the room. You tell me, who's the adult in the room, Joe Biden or Vladimir Putin? There will be peace when we achieve our goals. Now, let's get back to these goals. They don't change. Let me remind you of what we talked about, about the denazification of Ukraine, about demilitarization, about its neutral status. We will agree on demilitarization and agree on certain parameters. During the negotiations in Istanbul, we agreed on them, but then they simply threw these agreements into the oven. There are other possibilities, either to reach an agreement or to resolve it by force. This is what we will strive for. Pretty sensible, pretty consistent, so, consistent all along, Tony. Well, remember what we've been told, Judge. Uh, Putin apparently is on his deathbed and doesn't know it. Uh, apparently, he's got all sorts of health problems which prohibit his being able to focus. Uh, we were told really? that. <laughs> it looked pretty we, good. We to were me. over and over. I don't know how many times I've been asked to comment on rumors that Putin's on his deathbed. Have so, you been I hanging out with Jack Devine? <laughs> Just saying. Sorry, Jack. And then, <laughs> and then the other, yes, of course, we've had this conversation. Anyway, the other thing we were told, obviously, is that the the sanctions are going to work. Judge, the, the, the Russian economy is growing. And, and uh, oh, by the way, because of the boneheaded policies of Joe Biden, uh, Europe, who, who used to be partnered with the Russians on natural gas, well, you know, that got turned off. But oh, boy, by the way, the Chinese, Chinese have got all the natural gas they need now to continue to grow their economy. So uh, the sanctions didn't work either. So to that point, and again, I'm not pro-Putin. I always have to say this because I get in trouble. I, Putin has been very consistent, very much the strong man who he is. He's a strong man, and, and it's on full display there. And, and the other thing that we didn't, you didn't cover in, the, in that clip is his comments regarding Odessa, regarding their goals of, of, of basically reestablishing Russian dominance over those areas which are traditionally Russian, and he includes Odessa. So I'm right. just saying... They've been very consistent. They've been very deliberate in what they're doing. And I, I do believe at this point they've achieved probably about 80% of their goals. I think they're going to try to figure out how they want to get the other 20% over the next year. I think you're right. Tony Schaefer, what a pleasure, my dear friend. Thank you for all your Thank you, time. Sir. Thank you for your thoughts on this uh, variety of uh, issues. Uh, I hope we can see you again next week. Yes, sir. Next, next week. Christmas. Thank you, my friend. All the best. Thank you. Uh, coming up, uh, Colonel Larry Wilkerson, former chief of staff to Secretary of State, uh, the late Secretary of State Colin Powell. You know Colonel Wilkerson at two o'clock Eastern. The great Professor John Mearsheimer uh, today at uh, three o'clock Eastern, and the Roundtable 
with Larry um, Johnson and Ray McGovern at four o'clock Eastern and ask the judge, just me and you, at five o'clock Eastern. <laughs> Busy afternoon. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom. <laughs>